Welcome to the Retire While You Work podcast here in Nashville, Tennessee. We believe the concept of retirement in this country is fundamentally broken. We work ourselves to death and we miss out on so many of life's precious moments. I'm David Adams. I'm Carson Odom. I'm Miles Zuger. And together, as a team of certified financial planner professionals and CPAs, we're committed to helping free others from this antiquated mindset, using our three-bucket approach to managing money and finding creative ways to live now and retire while you work. Join us as we discuss a variety of financial topics and ways to help us change the way we think about time and money and which one of these is the true currency. Mute your computer. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire While You Work podcast. I'm Carson. And I'm Miles. And today we want to talk a little bit about the 4% rule. Um, Some of you may have heard about the 4% rule. It's a a rule that takes into account percentages of withdrawals that can be taken from portfolios. And it's a rule that we use with a lot of our clients once they start taking distributions um, from their retirement investments and investment portfolio. And so we just wanted to review that today, talk a little bit about what it is and how it works. And so Carson, did you wanna start by just talking a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I think a lot of people in retirement, and we hear this from a lot of newer clients where they're walking into retirement and they think, okay, I just I just wanna live off the income or dividends from my portfolio and not touch the principal. And in theory, that makes sense. You know, If you can get an investment that has a 4% yield that you can sit here and live off just the dividends that pay out once a quarter, and that's 4%, and that's what you can make ends meet on, that'd be great. However, in this current day and age, if you can find a fixed income product or some sort of product that can pay you a consistent inflation-adjusted 4 or 5% yield off your principal, let us know because that sounds amazing um, with interest rates near zero with the, well, the Fed's starting to raise them, but fixed income out there is just extremely unattractive. You know, we go back to years ago, the phrase used to be own your age in bonds. And if you're 60 years old, you might have only 40% equities and 60% of your money in bonds. And that's because bonds might pay you five or 6% interest and they're a safe investment. And there is nothing out there that has a low amount of risk that can promise you a high rate of return. And that's, that's our job is trying to figure out that risk versus reward ratio. And that's where the 4% rule comes in. And for us, typically it ends up looking like if you can pull out, pull out 4% of your portfolio's value over the long term, if you can earn 6%, let's say annualized a year, obviously it's dependent on how the market's fluctuating and past performance is not guaranteed future results. Um, but it's all, if we can average 6%, you're pulling out 4%. There's a 2% buffer built in there for the low years, which, uh, or for the years where the market's not as good. So I'm sure we'll get into that, but where, um, where did this come from? Like who, who made up the 4%? Yeah, I think where I first saw it was just reading some different economists out there and, and seeing them talk about it and, and discussing different percentages that were out there, 5%, 6%, as low as 3%. But it really is that 4% rule that has kind of been agreed upon that's very manageable because like you were saying, in the years when the market's down, it helps to minimize a big withdrawal to the portfolio. And in the years when the market's up, it builds you that buffer. I mean, 
in a year where the market does really well, like last year, um, where it was up double digits, if you can maintain and only pulling out 4%, well, you're not even close to having a deficit in your portfolio. And so just economists over the years have debated this and debated this, and that 4% rule is just kind of what they settled upon um, as far as making a portfolio last you know, 30 plus years into retirement, which is some of your retires at 65, making it over 90, which is you know where we plan with all of our clients into that 90 to 95 year range, depending on family longevity and um, trying to make a portfolio last 30, 30 plus years. And so that 4%, is really just what's been agreed upon by economists for a lot of years now. Perfect. That makes sense. We, I think we, in almost every client meeting, we're talking about the 4% rule. We're bringing it up um, because it's also just a, a loose rule of thumb when somebody's thinking about retirement. If they think they need five million bucks saved up in order to retire, we may relate that to, okay, if we use the 4% rule, we can back into it. Um, and we can we can track through what that amount of money looks like. You know, four percent uh, of five million bucks would be two hundred grand. And a lot of people they either might not need two hundred thousand dollars, or they have a lot of other sources of income that they haven't even factored in yet. So, um, and, and I would say too, it really is just a starting place because, like you were you were saying there, there's somebody might have some rental income to help help with retirement income, or they might have a pension, or at some point they may have a large inheritance coming in. Um, so it really is just that starting point. Every situation is a little bit different um, for, and it's not going to pertain to everybody, but it, it's a good starting starting spot when you're having those retirement conversations on where to begin at. Yeah. If somebody comes in and they tell us, Hey, I've got a million bucks. How much can I afford to pull out each year? Um, so that, you know, hopefully I can make this last the rest of my life for the next 30 years. We'll say roughly 40 grand. That, that's a great place to start. 4% of a million dollars, $40,000 per year. Um, of course, and that also includes an index of inflation over your lifetime. But what, what we get into is the whole retirement conversation is how much do I need to retire? And that's that the question in reverse is, okay, if I want $100,000 saved up or if I want $100,000 of income for the rest of my life, how much money do I need to save up? And loosely, you know, if you back into it with the 4% rule, that equates to two and a half million bucks saved into a portfolio for you to yield $100,000 of income. However, that's strictly saving speaking. If you've got a hundred, uh, if you've got two point five million bucks saved up, invested in the market, yes, you can afford to pull out four percent rule. Or, well, what a lot of people don't then continue to think about is, okay, what if I'm going to work part time at doing some hobby of mine for the next ten years? What if I haven't thought about social security? My spouse is social security. What if we have a rental property that's paid off that's yielding us a thousand bucks a month? that we can also factor into that. And I think that's where the 4% rule is a good place to start, but it's usually such a small piece of the equation. Yeah, I would, uh, I would hundred percent agree with that. And, um, every situation is going to be a little bit, a little bit different. Um, you know, we've done hundreds and thousands of financial plans and no two plans are, are rarely the same or have we ever seen them that are the same? Everybody, you know, everybody's unique and, and that plan is going to be unique to them. Um, but, but I think the nice thing about it is when you're talking about some, some pros to the 4% rule is that it's easy to follow. It gives people that nice starting point, at least to uh, a frame of reference of what income in retirement might look like as they're trying to make that decision of whether or not they can retire. Um, I think it, and again, makes the income predictable. You know, if somebody, as Carson was saying, if somebody, you know, says, hey, I need $100,000, 
they know that, you know, they need to enter retirement maybe with around two and a half million. But at the end of the day, the day two, it also becomes what's important to them. If, if they don't care to pass on an inheritance to their kids or to a charity or grandkids or anything like that, then maybe they can pull out a little bit more than that 4% and we can try and manage that over the years. Um, if that's something that that's important to them, maybe they need to look at pulling out more like two and a half or 3% to try and achieve those, some of those goals. It's all about what's important to everyone and their plan and their unique situation. Yeah, that's right. And as I've thought about this, and if you're, you're young and you're building up a portfolio of different investments and that can provide you an income over the long term, there's also a cool way to think about it is, for example, let's say you've got a rental property that's dishing you out $20,000 of cash flow a year. You can consider if you divide that by 4%, that's equivalent to having half a million dollars in a portfolio to meet that same kind of income each and every year. So if you have a rental property and you can get yourself $20,000 a year in income, that's half a million dollars that you don't need in a portfolio because that income's coming from that rental property. Um, some people have a pension. Uh, I know those are pretty rare these days. We see them a lot with our older clients, but if you have a pension or if you work for the government, they're going to pay you a pension for the rest of your life. Even if it's three, just over $3,000 a year, that's equivalent to a million dollars worth of a portfolio in order to generate that sort of income. So any sort of passive income, if you're working part-time, you're making 40 grand a year being a greeter at Walmart or something. I don't know. Whatever you enjoy doing, if you make 40 grand, that's a million dollars you don't need in a portfolio. And by the time you start piecing together all these different sorts of different and passive incomes, all of a sudden you don't need a gazillion dollar 401k to just make ends meet for retirement. So usually the conversation goes with our clients when we're walking through these planning discussions is, oh, I didn't, I have two or three different sources of income. Uh, maybe I don't have to work until I'm 65 years old. Maybe I can retire a little bit earlier because I didn't think about social security being there or this rental property income, or we're going to sell our house and downsize and there's going to be another million dollar influx of cash one day. It's so different for everybody. Um, I think we can't stress it enough that a very loose, you know, you can use this 4% rule to think about your retirement income in so many different ways. Um, and that it really is just a start of the conversation. Yeah. And something that always comes up during these conversations when we start talking about social security is, will it be there when I, when it's my time to retire? I know it's always in the headlines. I think the social security administration, you know, has put dates out there when they see reductions needing to happen or benefits going away. But it is our belief that it'll be there. There's a lot of small changes that can be made. I mean, for instance, you know, right now, younger people can still start it at 62 if they really want to. Um, you know, people that were, you know, people that are born today, as it reads right now, can start at age 62. But with people just living longer and longer um, as time goes on, they can make an easy change and say, hey, if you were born, you know, after 1970, you can't even attempt to start benefits until you're 70 years old or and 75 I, years old. I fully think that that's the low hanging fruit of obviously administration. They're still going to have to pass a law and some people are going to be upset. But from my perspective, being on the younger end, it's going to be a while until I claim social security. It truly makes sense that for us, me and you, Miles, we shouldn't be able to claim social security whenever we're 62 years old. I yeah, mean, I agree. Back when social security was created, the full retirement age was beyond the average life expectancy for those who would claim it. So the majority of people it was planned 
wouldn't even have social security. They were planned to die before they even hit their full retirement age. And obviously over the decades, people are living longer and they're claiming social security for 30 or 40 years. So that's where it's really putting stress on the plan. I don't, if I had to make a guess and I don't know what that's even worth, but I would say it's not that they're going to increase the social security tax, but rather make some adjustments for those, the age for which younger generations will be able to claim it. And I think that's, that's a step in the right direction, but yeah, exactly. It's just, um, like Carson was saying, some administration at some point will have to touch. I don't think changes have been made since Ronald Reagan was in office. Um, they just, nobody wants to be the one to have to make those changes, but we are coming to a head and it will probably be an 11th hour decision that's made, but we do believe something will get done. Um, when the time comes, but um, Carson, do you, would you say, are there any cons to the 4% rule or negatives that we see with the 4% rule? Um, I think it is tough mentally um, from a financial perspective, which that's only part of the conversation. I think it makes sense. The con, and I think this is also just a, an issue with investing in the stock market is being able to trust what your portfolio is doing, even if the market's going down, you know, if, 2007, 2008, 2009, you know, the great recession, if one of those comes around again and you can mentally kind of put that aside, your portfolio value and continue your 4% withdrawal rules and trust your advisor or trust your team that's taking care of your portfolio, that's fine. But I think there's just some emotional difficulty with doing that. Um, yeah. And I think the other big one that goes along with that is, you know, as we maybe said earlier, it doesn't adjust to market conditions, but what you can do in the years when the markets, you know, if it's a year where the market's down 10 or 15% and you're pulling out 4%, you're looking at a mid double digits down year in your portfolio, all things considered, um, you can adjust your spending in those years. So maybe that's a year where you don't go take a $20,000 big family vacation to Europe or you try and cut some expenses where you can and maybe you're able to cut your withdrawal down to... Or just use some, if you have a big emergency fund, use your yep. cash. Um, exactly, or use, use cash so you're not having to make withdrawals from the portfolio um, or try and, you know, make withdrawals from some of the fixed income in the portfolio if you're also able to, so you're not having to sell stocks while they're down. Um, so right. not necessarily anything you can do to affect the market, but there's lifestyle and personal decisions that you can make to try and make that portfolio last as long as possible. That's um, right. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, financial planning, it's not, it's not us. It's not a science, it's an art. Um, For sure. We, you know, as I said in the beginning, each portfolio is unique to the individual who owns it. Um, and that's really where having a team around you can come in to help. That's right. That's what we're here for, to go through all these different changes and go through all the different ways you can generate an income to make ends meet. So short and sweet, uh, but hopefully this 4% rule gets everyone thinking um, just in the retirement perspective. As always, we're here to help myself, Miles, David, our entire team to walk through any questions you might have. So yep. thanks, thanks, thanks for joining, joining us, guys. Yep. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Retire While You Work podcast. I'm Carson Odom, and I hope you'll continue to join us as we discuss creative ways to manage your time and money.
Any opinions are those of myself and not necessarily those of Raymond James. Expressions of opinion are as of this date and are subject to change without notice. The information contained in these podcasts do not purport to be a complete description of the securities market or developments referred to in this material. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but we do not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Every investor situation is unique and you should consider your investment goals, risk tolerance, and time horizon before making any investment. Prior to making an investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor about your individual situation. Any hypothetical examples are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary. Raymond James does not provide legal or tax services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional.